Hi, this is Matt Stagliano, and thanks for being part of the Artist Forge. We're a community of creatives who help each other think like an artist by discussing creativity as a process instead of a skill or a talent. We believe everyone has what it takes to create something amazing, we just need some encouragement and inspiration along the way. What you're about to hear is a live recording of one of our daily discussions on the Clubhouse app. If you like what you hear, I encourage you to join our private Facebook group or visit us on the web at theartistforge.com. Now on to the show. Welcome everybody to Morning Walk and Talk with the Artist Forge. So glad to have you guys here this morning as we continue talking about our relationship with money. And we began the conversation just really exposing some of the difficulties that we have around money, some of the blocks that we face, the struggles that we are currently fighting. And then yesterday we talked about limiting beliefs. So those things that just kind of sit unseen in the back of our head and influence what we think and how we behave where money is involved. And we talked about some ways that we can handle those limiting beliefs, ways that we can challenge them and start to overcome them and recognize what they are. And today, we're actually going to begin talking about our internal narrative. So if we looked at this like a pyramid, at the very bottom of the pyramid would be those beliefs, those things that influence what we think, how we feel. And then the narrative is the next step up from those beliefs. It's the things that we actually say to ourselves. These are going to be the things that we catch ourselves repeating over and over again when we encounter circumstances with money. Um, and they can range the gamut from that's too expensive, no one will buy that, the work isn't good enough to you know, ask for that amount of money, um, rich people are snobs, <laughs> whatever it is. Um, and, and this isn't just, this is no longer the core belief that kind of influences and manifests these thoughts. These are the thoughts themselves. This is one of the ways we can actually discover what those core beliefs are. Because when we start asking ourselves those questions, um, as Matt mentioned yesterday, you know, we can use our emotions as a barometer to figure out when something is wrong. So maybe we are trying to sell artwork to a client. We feel really uncomfortable. It's difficult for us to go through the process. We can recognize our emotions showing up and say, oh man, this is really getting to me. What is going on here? One of the first things that we will notice when we ask ourselves, why am I having a hard time with this? Is what was I thinking that perpetrated the rest of these feelings? And often we will be able to find what the thought was, what that kind of internal narrator was saying before we're able to get to those deep core beliefs. We might hear ourselves saying some of the things that I mentioned earlier, like no one will ever buy this. Um, I'm asking way too much. People don't spend money on things like this, all of those different things. Or you might even be saying things like, this is just not right for me. I was never meant to have money. I'm just going to lose it anyway. Um, so there are a lot of things happening there with your internal narrator is basically standing on your belief system and parroting things back to you that support that belief system. And I've mentioned our psychological protection before. Anytime we encounter something that could potentially damage 
our ego, our view of ourself and who we are, that psychological protection system kicks in and tries to start keeping a wall between our ego and those dangers. And it wants to maintain that sense of comfort that we have with who we are and our beliefs. And so it will parrot those things back to you. You'll hear yourself saying things that support those core beliefs. And one of the ways that we can start attacking those core beliefs and changing them is by changing what we say to ourselves about our experiences. And that is a process that is continual. It's not like you catch that thought one time and replace it with something that serves you instead of something that limits you and all of a sudden everything's better. This is a process that takes a long time. It's one of reframing and challenging yourself. So it isn't comfortable either. As much as I wish that this process could be as comfortable as eating a cookie by the fire, it really is more like poking yourself with needles. So today we're going to talk about some of the internal narration that we hear when we come up against those uncomfortable situations about money, what some um, ways are that we can start replacing or modifying that narration so that hopefully that allows us to get to challenge and change those core beliefs. So I would love to hear first from the mods today. We talked yesterday about what some of our core beliefs are. What are some of the things that we hear in our head that can limit us from having this more successful relationship with money? If you have some things you're willing to share, that would be great. I imagine folks in the audience today will probably, probably be hearing you like they hear their own internal voices. So does anybody have anything they'd be willing to share? There are so many things that go on in my head about money. <laughs> There's, I can never have enough or, um, and I don't mean that in a greedy way. It's just kind of like, I'm always feeling this sense of panic. Like I don't have enough financial security. When I look at someone that is able to afford things, um, I don't look at them and feel um, any resentment. It's, I look at me and go, why can't I have that? What's going on with me? Why can't I do those things? And, you know, it starts to make me really introspective. So when I, when I see something like that, the internal dialogue is almost always some level of self-loathing or self-defeat or, you know, it's all these old stories from childhood of, you're never going to have that. If you have it, it'll be taken away or you don't deserve it, right? So I immediately hear all those things in my head anytime I see someone at a level that I want to reach. And then I have to turn around and reframe that. Is that, is that answering your question, Nicole? Yep, yep, yep. I, I definitely have a, a similar thing that happens in my head. And um, it's a particular struggle well, I will say it's particularly painful when it happens because of friends. And what I mean by that is um, it's, it's a little bit easier to see somebody that I don't know very well um, doing things or having success that I wish I was having and think, well, that's great for them. Um, it is more painful when people that are close to me start doing those things because I don't want those patterns of thought to show up 
and make me feel like, well, here they go. They're getting the thing. I'm never going to get the thing because I don't want to feel that way about the people that I love. Right. And so, um, when, when they are the cause of those feelings showing up, I feel like in those cases, it's really particularly painful and just highlights to me that I have not been doing as much work as I could in catching those thoughts and, uh, and reframing them. So I'm, I'm right there with you, man. Um, particularly around the, the suspicion that you're never actually going to be safe. Right. Well, it's, it's that. And, and again, it's feelings of not good enough. Right. Clearly right. I'm not smart enough. Clearly I'm not good enough. Clearly there's more things that I need to do before I can get to that point. And a lot of it's such negative self-talk, right? Rather yep. than just feeling good for my friend who's making great money and doing great things and making an impact and you know, what they do yep. with that wealth is, is on them. But you know, looking at it, trying not to feel that jealousy, because all that is is ego. That's just your ego doing some level of comparison or competitiveness or something like that. So whenever I feel that kick up, I can almost immediately recognize it and at least back off of it, but it doesn't stop that knee jerk reaction from happening. I've just learned right. to try to be able to control that part of the ego. Yeah. And it's, I think the thing that makes me angry about the whole situation is that it contaminates my happiness for them in some way. Totally. And yep. that is so, so frustrating. Um, but you're right. I mean, you know, when that knee-jerk reaction pops up, it can be so difficult to control. And so that's why it's important for us not to allow these kind of feelings and thoughts to, to cruise around in our head unchecked. It's so important for us to recognize that they are there and that we don't have to be subject to them. It's like um, allowing a horse to run around and not realizing that you could, you know, break and tame that horse. Um, it still might, you know, show up unexpectedly, but that doesn't mean you can't hop on it and take it somewhere else. So what are some of the thoughts that you use, Matt, to start replacing those feelings of, it's almost imposter syndrome, isn't it? Yeah. And for me, the, the one thing that always brings me back, right, it's a little bit of that slap in the face is like, your path isn't their path. That's it. Like what your, your journey is not theirs. So whatever they've done is different from what you've done. They may be struggling behind the scenes, even though they have money, you have no idea what's going on in their head. You have no idea what struggles they're up against or why they're doing the things that they're doing. So stop putting on them a perfect life that you're comparing yourself to when you guys have not had the same experiences or do the same things. It's very much looking at it and saying, stop making that comparison. Stop putting yourself in their shoes because you are not that person. So have a little bit of gratitude for what you do have and where you are going. And I always bring it back to that. It's not easy all the time. I'm not sitting here like some guru, but I'm just saying those are the thoughts that go through my head to try to keep myself in check and be like, listen, the path that you're on, the things that you're doing right now are going to get you to your goals. Just keep sticking with you. Stop looking at them. I love that. I love that. It's so, so important for us to, like we talked about yesterday, really embrace that complexity, right? Because it's easy to look at people who are doing the things and have the relationship with money that we wish we had and think that because they are showing these outward manifestations of success, 
that means that they're not struggling with the thoughts about money that we're struggling with or whatever, when we have no proof. We have no proof that that's true. So embracing that complexity and, and reminding yourself of it and the fact that their struggles are their own and we don't know what they are and we should not be, um, we should not be kind of, um, what's the word when you're pushing ideas you have about somebody on them as if they're real? Projection. Thank you. I completely lost it. And not projecting our assumptions onto them, which is, which is so terrible because then we're upset about things that only exist in our imagination, which is so stupid. We, out of all creatures, have something that nobody else has, and that is the kind of internal mental suffering that we concoct for ourselves with no good reason to do it. So I think that that's so, so important to, to really face down, Matt. So I'm glad that you brought it up. Does anybody else have any anything that they can share? Those internal monologues that you hear when you're in situations with money that are uncomfortable or challenging? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm listening to Matt and, and there's a lot of similarities in how I look at other people and, and what I wonder, but I don't have the same um, I guess self-talk as Matt uh, described my money dialogue or the money challenges that I have is not about making money or asking for money it's more about how I spend money and my and about accumulating money um, I tend to I'm not sure a lot of us do I tend to spend whatever I make, no matter what, throughout my life. And I've always had the attitude and the self-talk that, so what, I can always make more money. And I do. It just happens to be just enough for me to spend on whatever I want to spend that year, that, that decade, that whatever it is, right? So it, it's, it's, the, it's that mindset of, you know, just enough to has probably limited me from accumulating money and having more, more, you know, uh, if I wanted that, I don't even know if I want that. I guess it's kind of been 30, 40 years of that, but yeah. So, so it started way back when I, when I was waitering as a, as a waiter, I worked for seven years while I was going to school. And when I started early, you know, early, late in my teens and when I was going to school and, um, making money, making tips, it's so easy and you're coming back the next day to do the same thing. And then you have this cash in your pocket. And we ended up going out and spending it on nice dinners and breakfasts if we worked overnight and whatever. And I always had that attitude that, hey, so what? I'm going to make more tips today. And I think that kind of, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because it, it's spending habits uh, kind of developed that way. Uh, but I think that was kind of the instigator and the attitude that I kept that just kept me at the just good enough. And I never have fear of running out of money, but I just make enough to do whatever I decide to do. I don't know if that makes sense or so. So it's more about the spending for me and my attitude towards spending uh, that I struggle with. Sure. And is that, do you find that, Basam, like as you're thinking about it, is that even something that you're interested in changing? Is that something that Very you feel like good if question. you had, 
Yeah, sorry, I cut yeah. you off, but yeah. No, it's a very good question. And 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 when I, you know, when Matt was talking about, you know, you look at other people and you feel good for them and great for them and you listen to their stories and what they're doing with their money and how they're making their money. And for me, it's it's never about I'm not good enough or I can't do it. it, it I never have those thoughts, but it's more about am I willing to do the work? Right? And I recognize the work that needs to be done to get there. I have confidence that I could do it if I put my mind to it, but I don't do it. And I wonder, and, and, and sometimes it's a, I wonder if it's about where I am in my life today. I've done my thing with the corporate. I, I worked like a dog forever. I made good money. I, you know, I, I took my pension and I'm, and I'm just, I designed my semi-retirement so I can do photography and make it a business, but just enough to dot, dot, dot. And maybe I'm no longer interested in, in that. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what I keep telling myself. You're right. Now, will yeah, I respark that interest or I, I don't know. It kind of bothers me that I, that I don't have that interest. It's always in the back of my mind. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's something to think about. Yeah, it's interesting, um, particularly when there's that dichotomy. Like you mentioned, I know I've had this conversation with a few friends that um, we want to find out how we can make the most with working the least. <laughs> like, exactly. How can I be really comfortable with the least amount of effort? And it usually seems like the least amount of effort comes on the tail end of a shit ton of effort. So it's like you'd have to work really, really, really hard and then build all the things that you need so that you don't have to work so hard anymore, which is kind of the idea of retirement, right? Um, but even you know, with anything that you're doing, it's kind of this idea that um, somewhere at the end of the rainbow is less work and more pay. And, um, and you get into this place somewhere along the way where you're comfortable enough. And so it seems like, is it worth it to trade my time and my energy for more of the thing. And we really do have these questions to ask ourselves. I mean, that's the great part about coming at these kind of internal monologues, these narrations that we hear in the back of our head when we're in these situations, because it allows us to look deep enough to start ruminating on some of these things. Like, do I really actually feel that way? Or is this just my comfort zone and I'm kind of lulling myself into a sleepy purgatory, right? Or is this the truth? Like, is this actually the life I want? I don't, I don't desire more than what this is right now. And we have to face those questions and come to terms with them because like you said, these spending behaviors and habits started being built while you were younger. And once you get to a certain point, they've been going on for so long that you just take them as gospel instead of really dissecting whether is this actually what I want or am I just so used to this that it seems like the way things should be and if we don't ever have a chance to examine that then by the time we figure it out it might be so far down the road <laughs> that we it's harder to change you know I think it's uh hugely valuable that Tom brought up the food service industry because I'm quite familiar with uh with that lifestyle of, you know, like I made it and here it goes, whether it's, you know, brunch or a night out or, or whatever. But at the end of the day, I think the really key subject here is defining what it is that you want. Like you make these goals. If you don't have 
a purpose for the the money you want to generate, right? Uh, like retirement for so long feels like this ephemeral thing we'll never get to. And until you've defined what that retirement actually looks like for you, or this vacation, or this new camera, or, you know, insert thing goal here, like you, you, you can't reach it because it's not a goal. You don't have a purpose set forth for X, Y, or Z. So you can say, I want to make 50 grand this month, but until you determine where that money is going to go, how that's going to better your life, how you're going to invest it in your business, you know, whatever that looks like for you, that $50,000 might as well be 5 million. So you have to give it a goal and you have to give it a purpose or you have to give your, your goal a purpose. Um, because if it doesn't have a purpose, then it's not going to enrich your life or anyone else's. It's just a random number out in the world. Sure. And it's got to be really hard to motivate yourself too if that goal doesn't have a purpose, right? Like I've got 50,000 more dollars for what? I don't have any pictures in my head of me doing things with that money that I'm going to enjoy or that are going to have a positive impact on my life. I just have a vague idea of what that money is and not like solid concrete pictures of, you know, me bringing my family to Aruba or something, you know. Well, and even getting to a space where you can look at like that energetic exchange, right? Because money is just mm -hmm. the exchange of like money making money for you right maybe that's the maybe that's the shift like it doesn't have to be so specific because you don't have it now of i'm going to go to aruba and da -da 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 -da. Right. like treat it like a check register like how much how much more good can you do in the world doing what it is that you love based on the money that you have look at warren buffett right? His money just makes generations of money. Like, it's not even like he's trying to reach a, a, a numeric goal, right? It's just a matter of like, well, I know the more I make, the more good I can do in the world, whether that's like philanthropic efforts or creative efforts or empowering other businesses or, you know, whatever. But how does that money give you that exponential growth to have your influence in the world around you, whether that world is your local community or literally the world? Ooh, such a good question. And a really good example, I think, of an internal monologue that's already been shifted in such a healthy direction. Um, and hopefully, if you're listening today, you can take some of the things that Kat just said and use those as examples of ways that you can change your internal monologue of not enough, of not good enough, of, you know, of being closed off to kind of the flow of money and look at the things that she just explained as examples of ways that you can, things that you can change your mindset to that internal narrator that we're talking about today, these unhelpful, um, limiting thoughts that we kind of have on repeat in the back of our heads. So I really love that example, particularly recognizing the fact that you can reach a place of exponential impact. Um, and a reminder for us today that when we talk about money, um, I've even had this happen in my head like several times since we've started having this conversation. 
So I just casually, as an example, mentioned, you know, oh, take my family to Aruba. It's just like an example of something that I might choose to spend money on. And immediately after that, I thought to myself, wow, that was a really like, that was a really shitty example because, you know, what a, what a ridiculous way to spend your money when you could be spending it on something smarter, which just goes back to the fact that we have these things kind of baked into our minds, right? There's nothing wrong with taking your family on a vacation. Why would I all of the sudden feel the need to come back and qualify that statement? Because there may be somebody in the audience today who went, Aruba, I just want to pay my bills, right? Like all of a sudden me mentioning something like that becomes something to apologize for because I have these thoughts baked into the back of my head that that kind of thing is a ridiculous way to spend money. I mean, and that's just an example, guys, of something that is happening to me right now as we're having this conversation. So even if you're listening today, man, be aware of those thoughts because we're, if I would not have caught that, I would have continued this conversation. And instead of doing this with a kind of abundant mindset that says you can earn, have, etc., these things, I would have started shutting myself off and trying to be more careful about the examples I use so they more closely fit people's preconceived ideas about what is okay to do with their money. Well, and what do you do reframing that, Nicole? Like, A, why is your judgment about vacations negative? And B, how can you reframe that negative to be like, how valuable is a vacation to your family and the memories that you create and the values that you're instilling in your kids through just the vacation alone, right? Like, what is that teaching them? Right. Absolutely. And, you know, as, as you were talking and I was all of a sudden having this thought that I had to come back and then reorient, I did exactly what I said out loud, which is I started asking myself, whoa, where did that come from? Well, we never had when I was young. I mean, we had enough trouble just keeping our bills paid. I was the one who answered the phone when bill collectors called so I could say my parents weren't home. Um, so I very deeply have this kind of knee-jerk reaction to the way that money is spent and we didn't we couldn't take vacations i mean we couldn't pay our bills so we couldn't take vacations that was just not a thing we did um and i don't think my dad ever took i don't think he ever actually had paid leave or vacation from any job he ever had he just always worked and so there was no time away from the stress of work Um, where everybody could decompress except for maybe a weekend camping trip. And usually, um, if you don't have the time, it's almost more stressful to go do the thing than it is, you know, not to do it. So um, I have obviously all of these things in my past that crop up that then push this narrative, this thought that I heard in the back of my head, well, what a ridiculous example. There are people who are just trying to pay their bills. How can you use that? And then reminding myself all of a sudden, hey, it's that belief that is stopping you from having the healthy relationship with money that you want to have. You're making these arbitrary decisions that are not based on the truth of how money can be spent. It's based on your assumptions built in by experiences you didn't provide for yourself. So that's kind of the the thought process that went through my head before 
I decided to share that example as like a real time thing um, that even if you're in the audience today, you might have had that. <laughs> you might have had that happen as we're talking about these things. You might have heard Bassam say, you know, I always just make enough to be able to do what I want to do. And you're thinking to yourself, God, I wish I could just do what I want to do. I'm stuck in the trap of doing what I have to do just to survive. Oh, man, and we're having these thoughts and we don't recognize that we're doing this to ourselves. So be aware, even in this conversation, you may be doing this to yourself without even recognizing it. Oh, the frustration, man, the frustration. So as we come up on our half hour mark, I want to make sure um, that the mods today have had a chance to share um, any of their thoughts, any of their kind of internal narratives, the, the actual things they think that you can, you know, catch that sentence in your head. So we can try to dissect them a little bit and then grab friends who are in the audience today. I see Ari has his hand up, so we want to make sure we bring him up. If anybody else is in the audience today and you have experience catching those thoughts and redirecting them and reframing them, which we'll talk about in a little bit, um, as Kat just brilliantly mentioned, um, please raise your hand because we want to make sure we bring you up. But I want to make sure, um, Becca, anybody else has a chance to share their experience. Yeah, this is a this is an interesting one to think about, um, and I think I do have a little bit uh, of those you know feelings that are kind of like imposter syndrome um, about moving forward with money and kind of even being comfortable or pushing into excess with money. Um, like this is a, a weird internal feeling I've been dealing with recently because we just bought a house, and um, our it's our second house. It's gigantic it's honestly in a kind of bougie neighborhood and it's I mean I, I love it I love it and it's like something I've abstractly you know thought I wanted the really big nice house in the forest you know but I didn't think I'd ever actually really have that and I kind of feel I'm like is this is this actually my life like when when does the rug get pulled out right like you know is this excessive like this isn't really me right this is just some fantasy um if that kind of makes sense and uh i felt that way about like large purchases purchases like even like buying you know a car from dealership the first time it just felt like that's something someone else who's more stable and successful would do you know that's not really my life because i can be happy living in a cardboard box as long as i've got the right people around and i'm making some cool art um but uh, I, I wouldn't say it's like completely limiting. Um, it has, you know, made me hesitant to move forward with things in the past, but I think I'm kind of at a, a place where I can check myself now. Um, but even like with, with the first house that we bought, like my, my husband and I, he, he was, you know, whatever, he had his own thoughts, but um, I was kind of in this place where it's like, oh, it'll be five years, it'll be 10 years or whatever. And it wasn't until I actually forced myself to go speak to a mortgage broker that I made it happen. And I could totally have seen myself just putting it off forever and never actually making that move just because it didn't feel like authentically me because I would never have that level of success. Ooh, that's so interesting, Becca. And I noticed as well, you used the word excess twice. Excessive money, right? Ooh. And yeah, isn't it wild how even just the words that we use to frame the things that we say to ourselves. Because, of course, all of us have seen examples 
of people who have so much money, like money that's pretend at this point, like it's not even real. They have so much money that the amount of it is not even real. And we think to ourselves, they could completely change the world if they were willing to take some of that money and do, do things with it, right? Like you could end world hunger probably five times, right? Like we have all of these, all of these thoughts and judgments we make about people we see with this money and it comes back to us and we think to ourselves, well, if we're not living at the bare minimum standard, then what we have must be excessive. We must be, you know, somehow like moving into flamboyant, grotesque money just to have a home that's comfortable and fits our family and makes us happy. How the fuck is that excessive? Right? Like, but we still, <laughs> well, I mean, really, we still, those thoughts pop in there, right? And those words that we use, oh my gosh, why do we do this to ourselves? Totally. And I mean, even like the kind of like brain exercise I'm sure if everyone's done or had a conversation with, it's like, if you win the lotto today, you know, what would you do with that money? You know, 5 million or a billion or whatever large number that is. And I mean, it's something I've always kind of struggled with. I don't know what I would do with that much money. I'd probably just, I don't know, spend some tiny portion of it, save some other tiny portion of it. And then, uh, I don't know, give it, give it to my, my family or, you know, help them right. and maybe, you know, give it away to charities or start something like, you know, what would I personally do with large amounts of money? I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's hard to wrap my mind around, you know, having that sense of excess. And, you know, that word was used with intent because right. it, it just feels like too much for me sometimes, even if it is something as simple as like having a nice house for, you know, my giant zoo of children. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's not excessive, but it feels that way because we've had so much less. So, right. Oh, it's so wild, man. I, Catching uh, these thoughts real time. Go ahead, Kat. Oh, I just, I love that exercise. Like, and, and a, for a long time, it was like, ooh, I would buy my mom a car and I would buy my dad a house and I would buy, you know, like all of these random material things. But when you start sort of leaning into your value system and what's important to you, whether that is, you know, like empowering other artists to learn how to create, right? Like, how can you do that with a large sum of money? Like, what would that allow you to do? versus the the survival mechanisms that that we've all been trained to to live in right and when you start leaning into your value systems of how you can not only make your life great but the the lives of the people around you and people that you don't even know like that's the really cool part is when you start seeing that impact those waves get bigger oh man now it gets exciting i mean that's that's the thing imagine the good we could do not just for ourselves our children our family but for other people i've wanted to start a i've wanted to start a scholarship for artists for a long time that's actually something that i'm kind of slowly working my way toward because i want that impact to go out farther than me and of course what we're doing right now sorry i'm on the tall hill guys um, what we're doing right now is having impact and we're just taking an hour out of our day to talk to one another. Imagine if we could increase that impact exponentially because we had the funds to do it. It's just an increase in value. And yet we'll find ourselves using words in our own head like excess. It's really amazing. 
that we do this to ourselves. So I'm so, so into this conversation so far. Um, we already have Ari joining us on stage. If there's anybody else in the audience today who has any thoughts about these internal monologues, this internal narrator that has phrases and things on repeat in the back of your head that pop up anytime you deal with money or situations around money and you have something you want to share with that, please raise your hand. We'd love to hear from you and bring you up today. Ari, I know you're going to have something good. So I can you know, I wasn't able to restrain myself, especially when you were getting um, worked up a little while ago. Um, before I say that point, though, let me just say this on your scholarship. Do it. Do it today. Meaning it could be $100. It could be $50. It could be $10. You can set it up today for that amount and then build it over time. There's no bar that says it has to be a $10,000 scholarship, a $5,000. That's true. Just, just do it. Jump over the, the thing. It's simple to do. And if you want to be fancy pants, you can Google how to set up a 501c3, you know, so that people can donate tax-free to it. And literally, like, fact tell me, on Upwork, you can get a lawyer to do it for you in an hour and for, I don't know, 25, 50 bucks, who knows. But do it. Like there's no reason not to do it. And then, and think about how good you'll feel, you know, whether you're religious or not, just going into the new year, you know, having done something, you know, with light and purpose and, 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 um, you know, a good thing. So that, yes. that's just one thing. I wasn't, oh, that's not even why I came up, okay. but you, you triggered me, you triggered me before when you were talking about, in a sense, the Joneses and, and how people have more, you know, why, you know, the thought that comes up of, of why does that person, you know, have all this or, or, um, you know, it, it happens to all of us, you know, this person has a nicer lawn, a better car, a, a bigger house. Um, it's just, it's a basic human tendency of jealousy, of envy. Um, and not to get too biblical religious, but, uh, you know, it's sort of what I go back to. My, my, my grandfather, I think I mentioned, <laughs> I've been up here every day this week, but um, was a child of the depression, you know, at age 13, he had to start a business in his basement, um, and he was very successful, and he sold his business for a lot of money. Um, and two things he used to always say, um, and he never, he, with, with the exception of a car, he never spent a penny on himself in his life. And, and, and even there, he bought one car, and that was it. Um, he said, first of all, there are no pockets and shrouds meaning when they bury you in a shroud, there's no place to put your money. That's the one thing he would say. But the second thing he would do is he would quote, um, a, it's, a, it's a Jewish context, but the truth is the basis of it is is um, Christian as well, the um, Psalms from King David. And basically the, the, the saying is, you know, who is rich? The person who is rich is the person that, in Hebrew it says, that is, relies and is content with what they have. And, you know, it's, I wish I could practice what I preach. It's very difficult to embrace. But like the example I gave the other day, just like, I think, oh gosh, I don't know if it was Becker or Kat was talking about, you know, how you would see people in a champagne lounge spending thousands of dollars on a bottle. The same thing, somebody may look at me when I spend $2 for a Coke in a deli and they spend 25 cents and they say, wow. And it's just, it's all relative. And we just have to, 
find whichever value system we use to trust that we're doing the right thing for ourselves, for our family, for our future, for 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 the world, and and you know be satisfied with your lot in life. And yeah, that doesn't mean sit back on your haunches. That doesn't mean be lazy, but but at the end of the day, we have certain skills, we have certain you know attributes, and um, and and some are more skilled than others, and some take advantage of it more, and some people are just lucky, even if they're evil. But we can't, you know, we, you know. Obviously, the things we can control and things we can't, and the thing we can control or try to is how we look at those things, and. Um, yeah, I'm Ari and complete. Always good stuff, my friend. And thank you for kicking my butt a little bit and pushing my buttons. You're absolutely right. There isn't any reason why I should not take a step to do that thing right now. I'm going to send you an Instagram um, and reply. And I have an Upwork lawyer that I've used that, boom, I, I, that gets added up in an hour for nothing. I've sent him. Ah, amazing. Okay, thank you. I'll be looking forward to that. Um, and also such a great point, you know, when, when we're having these conversations around money, what we're really talking about is how we structure our beliefs about value and the moral trappings that are attached to that, right? And recognizing that sometimes we are attaching arbitrary beliefs and assumptions to something that does not have its own morality. And so... I think all of us need to be aware of the fact that we will default to the level of our training. This is something we talked about in the military. Um, I think Gene also has mentioned it sometime before, and I brought it up talking about this book, Atomic Habits. One of the things he mentions is that you will never rise to the level of your goal. You will default to the level of your system. So whatever systems and habits you've built, that is where you will default to. And if we, if we don't have systems in place that make us happy to live our day-to-day -day life, um, then we're always going to be reaching for this thing and hoping for this thing and making ourselves sick while we also live a life that we don't love. So your point is super well taken, Ari. I think it's so important for us to learn to love the life that we have and then also continue to reach for the ways that we can continue to make bigger impacts, take those bigger steps. Um, I know for my husband, um, who also grew up in poverty, one of the big things for him is wanting to leave generational wealth to our kids. That was not an advantage we had, but might be something that we can give to our children that hopefully will mean that their level, their, their base level, is a little bit higher and so the impact that they can have will be a little bit bigger than the impact that we could have and our we're raising really fantastic boys and so i believe that they will do that but it's it's so important for us to keep that to keep that in mind there's no reason for us not to love the life that we have right now and still want to be reaching for the ways that we can continue to make a bigger impact coach I'm so happy to see you here this morning. Hi, how are you? Missing you. I know. I've been uh, I've been in a dark space, so I'm back in the world of people. Welcome. But anyways, I like this conversation, of course, because this is right up my alley. I don't think 
I don't think you can have abundance without thinking of abundance. I think when you, you know, I think too many of us limit our, our way of thinking to build, to, to build depression. Uh, I mean, we've talked about this uh, in all of the conversations of the past, right? Like you, if you think about bad things, then, I mean, there's some research that even suggests that your brain's functioning, uh, its shape, it, neuroplasticity changes so that you are more prone and susceptible. And I think that when you think of abundance and you think that you are worthy of something, I believe that your brain also transforms to in, in ways to help make those things possible. Um, so in the same way that we think about and make a habit of thinking about and being grateful about the things that we do have, when you think about the things that you could have, I think it makes you more creative and makes you more prone to be able to make those things happen. So from Jump Street, if you're telling yourself you're not worthy, you're not capable, all of the lies that we tell ourselves to sabotage ourselves, those are self-fulfilling prophecies and we absolutely make them a reality because when the opportunities do show up to make those things come about, we're like, well, I'm not really that person. I mean, what would I do with it? I'm content. And we start telling ourselves all the lies that will stop us from capitalizing and grabbing on those opportunities. And I think it's so critical to prepare yourself just like you would for any other thing, preparing yourself for a shoot or anything else, to prepare yourself for what, what you would do when your wealth comes in, because I think you will capitalize on opportunities and find the spaces to invest in things, to, to believe in things, and, and to foster that creativity to capitalize on opportunity. I'm so glad you're here. Yes, I, I, I think you're so right. And recognizing the fact that the patterns that we have built, which is why this conversation about the internal narrator that we have when it comes to dealing with money, that's the reason this conversation is such a big deal because you are literally changing the shape of the gray matter in your brain, um, depending on how you think about things. And we mentioned the negativity bias yesterday and the fact that we kind of will automatically look for the, the reasons why not and all the danger and all the negative things instead of searching for the how could this happen. And I feel like now, um, if you're in the audience today and you have more thoughts, please also do raise your hand. I wanna make sure we have time to get to everybody this morning. But now I feel the need, damn it, to be accountable. So I was finishing my application to do a TEDx talk yesterday and they had the mention of all of the things they needed you to be present for over the next probably four months until the actual event. And it would have to be in Denver and there were several different occasions where you would need to be there in person for training or meetings or other things. And I immediately started going, well, we only have two cars and now my oldest kid is working. So he uses the car part-time. I would have to take one car away from my whole family. Or if I flew, that would be pulling money from our savings that we have you know, we're really going to be relying on this because my husband's going to retire this year. And I literally fell down this rabbit hole of here are all the reasons why I cannot be present for these things. 
instead of telling myself, if I do get accepted, then I'll probably find a way to make this work. And instead, guys, I talk myself out of it, not out of doing it in the long run, but out of doing this one. And so um, there's an example of real time, how allowing yourself to ruminate and believe those things that have, we don't know that those things are true. We're just making up scenarios, um, how that can negatively impact the, impact the things you're trying to do in your life. And if this is around money, then of course, that impacts your ability to continue living the life that you want to live. So I am not giving up, by the way. Um, I am still chasing that. I'm just going to look for um, other opportunities and also be really, really aware of what I had, what I did to myself so that I don't do that again. But um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a real-time example of how those negative thought biases will grab you and pull you down and pull you away from the things that you want to do. So anybody else today have any thoughts about these internal monologues that we have around money and what we can start doing? Because now is the time to talk about how we reframe these thoughts. We know that we have them. So now what do we do when they show up? How do we start reframing these negative thought patterns so that they serve us instead of pull us away from the things that we want? Don't be scared now. I think we can ask ourselves a series of questions to test the reality of the thoughts and or to reframe the thoughts. So I think the easiest way to do this is to search for evidence of all your experiences for how that thought isn't true. Um, and you can do that by saying, you know, hey, here's my thought. And you could say, well, that's not true. Or if there's partial truth in it, you could say that's not completely true. And then you give yourself evidence from your past experiences about why it's not true. And if that doesn't work because you don't have any evidence to draw on or you're new to the skill set, you could always draw on optimism. And optimism, uh, a statement for optimism would be, well, um, the more optimistic way of seeing this is I do go to the TED Talk and there's a million dollar per book deal in the audience that just happens to be there looking for new talent. Um, you know, and you don't know the truth of that, but it's a more optimistic way of looking at it. Um, and then I think you can also put it into perspective, right? So if it is something that is ruminating and is negative and you can't have evidence and you can't have optimism, you can always put it into perspective with a sentence starter around, um, well, I don't know, what's the most likely thing that's going to happen from that? And then just being really real with yourself about, you know, if this happens, then yes, this could also happen. And, and just putting the thing into perspective, because I think we tend to over-exaggerate our problems uh, and the negative impact that we are thinking that they would come about. Uh, and I think if you thought about it from a more realistic perspective, it quickly... Uh, minimizes itself oof that's so true and also um and this is one i know i've heard you use before but just because something was true in the past doesn't mean it's going to be true now just because this happened in the past doesn't mean that it's going to happen again 
Just because somebody told me no on the sales floor doesn't mean the next person will, right? And so it's again embracing that complexity and not making the assumption that just because our experience has been one thing, that means that it is the concrete truth for all reality for all time. And that can be a really difficult one to battle against because as we talked about before, your brain wants to protect you. And so it's trying to, it's trying to save you from that kind of internal anguish of what happens when, right? And maybe there was even a part of me that was telling myself, this idea is not good enough. They're going to turn you down anyway. And then you're going to feel bad about yourself. So maybe it's just easier to fall back on believing that you can't make this happen for actual physical reasons that exist rather than the fact that they're going to look right over your application because it isn't good enough. There's something to think about too. Juliet, good morning. Good morning. I have a whole, today? I have like three different roads I could go down right now, but um, the first one, which is like the inner dialogue that I heard this week that I'm like actually acknowledging involvement around money and that my, and like building evidence that I'm, I can earn money was like dealing with Christmas and Black Friday and things I didn't need or what do I want to get? And I was just like, when it came to my kids, there was something I was like, well, that would be really wonderful. And I stopped, like, I'm getting this thing. And then I realized like in the past, I really was, would like look at my bank account and think it was finite instead of being like, okay, it's, it's flowing, it's flowing, it's more is coming and all that. So that was like just something interesting that I noticed. And um, around your vacation, I was thinking about just, and, and also earlier what um, Matt was saying about different people's experiences is that we really just have different priorities. Like someone's going to buy the fancy car and lease it. I'm going to get the cheaper car. I'm going to pay for it and own it. And that's going to be that. And like, and the other one is I'm going to send my, but my sister-in-law is going to pay for private school instead and says she can't afford the camp. So it's like, you know, we all have just different paths and different priorities. And that gives me a little more freedom around those decisions and what it all looks like. It took me just a second to respond because I was coming to terms with something that you just said that I didn't realize I did, but I do. So I have to thank you for that in advance. Your bank account is not finite. Fuck, that is, <laughs> that is a, that is a thing, y'all. Like, I did not realize that that's a big part of the reason why I tend to want to hang on to money so badly is because I do somehow think in the back of my head that once it's gone, it's not coming back. And that is absolutely stopping me from making decisions I could or should be making about smarter things to do with the money because I am afraid that once it's gone, it won't be back. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Today is the day for exposing my weaknesses. <laughs> my little all my little faults and negative ideas about things but i think um, sometimes you pick the topics based on what you need right i mean <laughs> you're, you're the narrator of the conversation so i think sometimes you are you are seeking what you need but also being the person who is 
being vulnerable in the moment so that we can all have truth. Oof. Exposing me <laughs> left and right. It's time for final thoughts, guys. I missed you guys. Just gonna say, uh, Ari for president was my final thought. <laughs> <laughs> my thought for the week. <laughs> we miss you too, coach. I'm so glad we got you today, even just for a little while. It's been great hearing your voice and uh, all your wisdoms on these things. All right, guys. So this week, we have been focusing on the topic of money leading us into our month-long business deep dive, right? Before we start getting into business, we want to think about why our business exists to provide value to other people and to us. And that, more often than not, comes in the form of money. So we had better have our baseline beliefs about money. We better understand what those are, if they are serving us or if they're not serving us. Recognize what some of those internal dialogues or monologues are, depending on whether or not you talk back to yourself. I know some people do. Um, we better know what those things are. And are those thoughts serving us? Or are they limiting us from running the kind of business we want to run, from having the kind of life we want to have, from having the relationship with money that is not only going to be valuable to us, but to the people that we want to have an impact on. And so this week, these conversations are obviously cracking open a lot of things. And, you know, David, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, one of my goals with being able to be here is I know that there are people who will not feel comfortable being vulnerable enough to expose the struggles that they're having. And my hope is that if I can be an avatar um, for people who just cannot get to that place and everybody can see all my imperfections, well, that is a small price to pay for knowing that somebody else can hopefully see themselves in me and go, okay, if <laughs> this poor woman can deal with this stuff um, in front of people, then hopefully they can start dealing with it. Maybe take some of the lessons I'm learning and twist them around to use for themselves. And we can all just kind of be here together, hearing each other speak and recognizing that even those of us who are doing really well, we don't always have these things on lock. We are still in the challenge of reframing these thoughts of recognizing the limiting things we say to ourselves and reframing those into a positive framework that helps us get where we want to go. This isn't something that just automatically changes your life overnight. It is a staircase. It is a continual um, challenge to do this every single time they pop up. And the more you do it, the more you change the, the neural pathways that you have. And those thoughts will become the more natural thoughts, the ones that pop up, but you have to do it enough to overcome the ruts that already have been built into your brain. And so that can absolutely be the struggle, but it is a struggle worth taking on guys. It's not a Sisyphean struggle. It is one that you can win. Um, if you don't know who Sisyphus is, or if you've never heard of that before, go look that up and ask yourself how many struggles you have in your life that you put there that are making you Sisyphus. It's going to make you want to slap yourself around a little bit. Um, 
So I hope that today's conversation has been helpful. I'm looking forward to that message, Ari. It's time to build a scholarship, guys. So um, kicking my butt into gear on that one. So I'll be looking forward to that. Hopefully you took some important things away from this and you're feeling like this is starting to prepare you for the discussion that we're going to have on business. And have a fantastic day, guys. Take this stuff. Use it to go help yourself and other people. Let them know that we're here. If you're not in the Facebook group, the link is up there at the top. Go ahead and join that. Come and hang out. There have already been some really incredible resources shared in the group. Some really beautiful thoughts. Um, people who are taking what we're doing here already and starting to make some great strides, which is so incredible. And uh, go make something amazing. We'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Mountain Standard Time at 6 a.m. for the West Coast and 9 a.m. for the East Coast. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks again for listening to this live Clubhouse discussion moderated by all of us at The Artist Forge. We hope you found the information useful and that it helps you gain a little bit of insight as to how you work on your craft. For more episodes, please join us each weekday on Clubhouse or visit theartistforge.com. Now go make something incredible.